Volume Three, Chapter Thirteen of the Vicar of Rexhill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Vicar of Rexhill by Francis Milton Trollope. Volume Three, Chapter Thirteen. A change comes o'er the spirit of her dream. Helen had been nearly six weeks at Oakley without receiving a single line or message from any individual at the park. She had written to her mother, fully explaining the reasons which had led her so suddenly to absent herself, and also, in the most respectful and affectionate manner, announced to her the proposal of Colonel Harrington, and the approbation of his parents, adding her earnest entreaties that her mother would not withhold her consent to their marriage. To this letter she received no answer, a circumstance which would have occasioned her the most cruel uneasiness, had not the fate of Colonel Harrington's letter to herself enabled her to guess that of her own to her mother. To Fanny and to Rosalind she likewise wrote, and with the same ill success, but fortunately for her tranquillity their silence was reasonably interpreted in the same manner, and though this could but ill console her for the separation existing between them, it at least prevented her from feeling the pang of neglected affection. From her brother she received the only letter that had reached her since they parted, and though it was written in a strain of very melancholy despondency respecting himself, it spoke of her prospects with an energy of satisfaction and hope that it was delightful to have inspired. The report of Henrietta's death reached her through the servants, and though no cordial intimacy had ever existed between them, she felt as a gentle-hearted young creature must ever feel on hearing that a companion of her own age and sex was gone hence to be seen no more. More than ever did she wish for tidings of her family, and of Rosalind perhaps more than of any other, for she knew that if her feelings for the poor Henrietta had not amounted to affection, she had inspired a very powerful interest in her bosom, and that Rosalind was likely to feel her early death very painfully. It was therefore with the strongest emotions of joy that one morning, rather more than a week after the event, she saw Rosalind approaching the principal entrance of the house, alone and on foot. Helen flew down the stairs, through the hall, and out upon the steps to meet her, opening her arms to receive her with all the eager warmth of welcome natural after such an absence. But before Rosalind returned the embrace, she exclaimed, "'You have seen your mother, Helen?' "'Alas, no,' replied Helen. "'Would to heaven I had, Rosalind. What is it makes you think I have had this great happiness?' "'Because I have just met her.' just seen her with my own eyes driving down the avenue impossible rosalind you must be mistaken i have been sitting in my own room these two hours copying a long act of parliament for sir gilbert and if any carriage had been here i must have seen it no no you would not i observed that the carriage drove direct from the stable-yard and out into the avenue below the second gate when i saw the carriage spite of my astonishment my first feeling was terror lest i should be seen myself and accordingly i retreated behind one of the enormous trees which i am sure hid me effectually but from whence I had not only a full view of the Cartwright equipage, but of Mrs. Cartwright in it, looking, I am sorry to say, even paler and more ill than usual. "'Is my mother looking ill, Rosalind?' said Helen anxiously, and seeming for the moment to be unmindful of the strange circumstance of her having been at Oakley. "'Is she unwell?' "'I grieve to say that I think she is. A scene which took place in poor Henrietta's room only a few moments before she died, and at which Mrs. Cartwright was present, has, I think, shaken her severely.' but what can have brought her here helen unless it were her wish to see you and yet she has been and is gone without your hearing of it it is indeed most strange replied helen ringing the bell of the drawing-room into which they had entered lady harrington is i know in her closet perhaps my mother has seen her has my mother been here thomas inquired helen of the old servant who answered the bell oh dear no miss mowbray that was no wise likely likely or not thomas i assure you she has been here said miss torrington for i myself met her coming away then if that is the case young ladies there is certainly no use in my telling any more lies about it for that's a job i don't like to be put upon seeing as i am not over and above used to it 
and so as you know already i'm quite ready and willing to tell you the truth mrs mowbray i ask your pardon ladies but i really can't call her by no other name mrs mowbray has been shut up in the library for above two hours with my master how very strange exclaimed rosalind thoughtfully then i am sure she has chosen this day for the same reason that i did mr cartwright was sent for last night by the earl of harrowmore though he is not very communicative about his adventures in general he could not resist mentioning this flattering circumstance at tea last night adding that he could not refuse the excellent and pious old nobleman who probably was desirous of obtaining the benefit of his advice on some business of importance and this morning he set off in his travelling carriage and four post-horses with two outriders leaving word as judy told me that he should not return till to-morrow but good heavens what can mrs cartwright have had to say to sir gilbert and how in the world did he come to admit her thomas since you know so much you might as well know all ladies the carriage sure enough did not venture to drive up even to the back door without leave asked of sir gilbert at least i suppose it was to ask leave that one of the new park servants brought a note for him first i took it in myself to him and said as i was bid that the man was to wait for an answer never did i see mortal face screw itself up funnier than sir gilbert's when he was reading that note he looked for all the world as if he wanted to whistle howsomever he did no such thing but only scrawled a bit of an answer as grave as a judge and then it was miss mowbray that he ordered me to say no word whatever of the park servant's coming or of the carriage coming after as it was likely to do and he sealed up his answer and told me to give it to the man and then to go into the garden to look for you and the colonel miss mowbray and bid you to come in as you know i did miss and after a bit you went upstairs miss and the colonel's horse was ordered and when he was off and all clear then and not before the carriage drove into the stable-yard and your poor mamma miss mowbray looking as white as a sheet went tottering and trembling into sir gilbert and there she stayed till about ten minutes ago when the bell rang and out she came but looking i thought a deal less miserable thank you thomas said helen this is i believe all we wish to know the venerable serving-man took the hint and departed what can all this mean rosalind said her friend the moment the door closed behind him has anything happened at home that can account for it i hardly know how to answer you my helen without appearing to know more than i really do for in honest truth i know nothing your mother it would be wrong to conceal it from you helen is certainly very much out of health and for some weeks past has appeared i think out of spirits and unhappy oh rosalind do you think it is i who have made her so do you think that my coming here has made her really unhappy indeed i do not on the contrary i am firmly persuaded she rejoices at it you know dearest that since her marriage i have never been in great favour and no wonder considering the very particular aversion i have ever felt and perhaps manifested towards her bridegroom but more than once since you left us she has spoken to me in a manner which reminded me of the days that are gone and once she said when that hateful cause of all harm her tartuffe husband was not in the room you must greatly miss poor helen my dear rosalind i involuntarily caught her hand and kissed it earnestly fixing my eyes on hers to discover if possible what she thought and felt about you she guessed as much i fancy for she turned her head away from me but she pressed my hand and said almost in a whisper dear helen i trust that the step she has taken will end in her happiness he entered just as she had uttered those words and the manner in which she started and withdrew her hand when the handle of the door turned told me plainly enough that her love for her holy spouse was not of that perfect kind which casteth out fear there was moreover helen a tear in her eye when she named you oh my dear dear mother cried helen her own eyes overflowing with freshly awakened tenderness to hear this rosalind is a joy far greater than i can express and yet if this returning love is obtained at the expense of her own happiness i am a wretch to rejoice at it you would be a wretch to purchase it at that price perhaps replied rosalind 
but not for rejoicing at it now that poor soul she has already paid the penalty as in truth i fear she has of peace of mind for returning reason and what has occurred rosalind to make you think her less happy than heretofore it is not very easy to answer that question helen excepting the death of poor henrietta and the awful scene which preceded it in which she accused her father in the presence of mrs cartwright fanny and myself of pretty nearly all the sins and iniquities of which a man can be guilty excepting this i can hardly say that any particular circumstance has occurred which can account for the evident change in your mother's spirits which was quite as evident before the death of henrietta as since you have observed no unkindness towards her on his part rosalind said helen anxiously no certainly i have witnessed nothing that could be called unkindness you know helen he can smile and smile but he seems i think to watch her more than once when i have been going to her i have met him coming away and when he has seen me he has turned back and re-entered her room with me i know i have been savagely cross to her ever since her hateful marriage but since i have seen her looking ill and miserable my hard heart has softened towards her and i have sought instead of avoiding her and i am quite sure that from the moment he perceived this change he has been on the qui vive to prevent our being alone together my poor dear mother i fear i fear that she may live to deplore this marriage as much as we have ever done you know rosalind that we never believed mr cartwright to be the holy man he proclaimed himself but since i have been here i have heard dreadful stories of him lady harrington's maid is a prodigious gossip and though i really give her no encouragement she never dresses me without telling me some new report respecting him he has however a very strong party at rexhill who appear firmly to believe that he is a perfect saint but here you know they are literally and figuratively of another parish and seem to make it a matter of duty to their own pastor to believe all the tales they can pick up about him there is one very shocking story indeed that is i think quite incredible they say that mrs simpson has been seduced by him and only went away to be confined incredible no this story is a commentary on one part of henrietta's dying accusation she said he would have a child born to him at gloucester nearly at the same time as that expected here and it is to gloucester she is gone exclaimed helen gracious heaven what a wretch that this at least is true i have not the slightest doubt rejoined rosalind and what is more i am certain that your mother has heard it you know that this precious vicar invited mrs simpson's child to pass the period of her absence at the park and you must remember how very fond of the poor little thing your mother seemed to be actually listening to her parrot performances in the fanatical line as if she had been inspired it was before you went i think that i laughed at her so immoderately for saying that she prayed for currant pudding every night and that mrs cartwright was so very angry with me about it well observe the change and account for it as you will for the last two or three weeks she has hardly spoken to the child or taken the least notice of her and if i am not greatly mistaken it is for about the same period that her health and her spirits have appeared to droop depend upon it helen some one has carried this report to her it certainly seems probable poor poor mamma how terrible her feelings must be rosalind if from thinking this man something half-way between heaven and earth she has really found out that he is an hypocrite and a villain terrible indeed i would that she had not so well deserved it helen but now comes the question what has brought her here i think i understand that perfectly replied helen no sooner are her eyes open to the real character of this man than her tenderness for us returns i have little doubt that she came here to speak of me perhaps rosalind she has heard and you too of my engagement with colonel harrington perhaps we have helen replied rosalind laughing and i think it is likely that you have partly read the riddle right and that she may have taken advantage of her watchful husband's absence to express to sir gilbert her approbation which you know is necessary before you can be married helen 
i know it is replied helen colouring and if indeed she has given this consent she has removed the only obstacle to our immediate marriage then heartily i wish you joy sweet friend said rosalind kissing her novice as i am i found out long ago did i not helen that you and colonel harrington are colonel harrington and you i really do not know how to express myself to spare your beautiful blushes my dear friend but i am very very glad of this in every way it is so desirable poor dear little fanny whose hair is gently creeping down into ringlets again will find a fitter home with you helen than cartwright park can be for her how fast your fancy runs rosalind how do we know that my mother's visit and helen's bright blushes all forsook her as she spoke how do we know that it was not to forbid this marriage that she came and not to permit it two months ago had the same thing occurred i should have thought so now i cannot think it however helen this suspense cannot last long although sir gilbert forbade his servant to mention your mother's visit for fear perhaps that it should reach the ears of her husband you may depend upon it that he will inform you of it himself but i must go dearest i by no means wish this instance of positive rebellion to the commands of my guardian should be known you must remember the command i long ago received not to carry on any correspondence with the family at oakley and this command has never been rescinded so adieu my dearest helen i am quite persuaded now that nothing which you could write would reach me at the park but unless i am positively locked up we may surely contrive to meet without my again performing this desperate feat of disobedience could you not wander in the field sometimes i have done so constantly dear rosalind but ever and always in vain that has not been because you were forgotten but i have seldom left poor henrietta and never long enough to have reached the fields but now i certainly can manage this i should like to bring poor fanny with me but this i will not do for fear of drawing down the anger of mr cartwright upon her which she would not bear i think so well as i but ought i not before i go to ask for lady harrington oh yes i am sure she would be so very glad to see you a message was accordingly sent to my lady's closet and the two girls requested to go to her there helen was not without hope that she would mention to her mrs cartwright's visit but she was disappointed nor was there the slightest reason to believe from her manner that she was acquainted with it she appeared exceedingly pleased at seeing miss torrington and told her that whenever she could venture to repeat the visit without endangering the tranquillity of her present irksome home they should all be delighted to see her it was however high time for her to depart but while returning through the breakfast-room in her way to the hall-door she met sir gilbert the remembrance of her last interview with him and its abortive result brought sudden blushes to her cheeks she remembered too that she had never offered any explanation to sir gilbert for so suddenly changing her mind and altogether she felt so painfully embarrassed that she hardly ventured to raise her eyes to his face the voice in which he greeted her however soon chased every feeling of embarrassment or anything that was not agreeable for it spoke nothing but welcome and hilarity what the bright-eyed rosalind come to look after the runaway but i hope you have not scolded her miss torrington for leaving you all in the lurch upon my honour young lady she was very right take my word for it she never did a wiser thing in her life but has she told you the scrape she has got into miss torrington poor child no sooner ran away from a snake of a stepfather than she has got noosed by a tiger of a father-in-law ask my lady else has she told you all about it my dear perhaps not quite all sir gilbert but quite enough to make me very happy and wish her joy and you too most heartily thank you my dear i am very much obliged to you i feel very much inclined to wish myself joy i assure you and my pretty daughter too kiss me helen bless you my dear child and charles too that's a fine fellow miss torrington and bless your pretty fanny especially as her soul you say has found its way out of limbo it is a remarkably fine pleasant day miss torrington such a day as this always puts one in spirits rosalind turned to give a farewell embrace to her friend whispering in her ear as she did so 
at least there has been no refusal of consent helen adieu End of chapter 13